Welcome to Bear and Balanced. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron. I'm joined by my co-host, the boss over at that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, how's the first week of free agency treating you? I really like what Ryan Poles is doing. I, I'm sure I'm in a, in a bit of a, a minority because a lot of Bears fans are kind of angst over the uh, lack of star power. But, you know, this is a, a reset this season and i'm i'm actually excited for some of these names i mean there's there's like i said there's no star power there's no big flashy you know uh wide receiver one but i like the uh the slow and steady approach letting the market come to them yeah i agree and we're bringing on our producer uh for our third party here today robert schmitz who just watched his baylor bears fall in a heartbreaker <laughs> in the second round i am so sorry that your basketball team is out of it but now you can focus fully on the rest of free agency and the NFL draft. Robert, how are you doing? I'm excited to be here. Like you said, getting off the production side of things and getting into talk about free agency. I mean, we've been doing some form of free agency pod for basically the whole, like, or the first couple major days of free agency. We had to do a wrap up at some point. I'm just excited I get to be a part of it. Well, and it's still going to hopefully keep going, right? I keep, Ryan Poles you know, has a lot of work left to do. There's a, a lot, lot of interesting yeah. names uh, left on the board. And, and I think to Lesser's point, what I like about what Ryan Poles has done for the most part is that he has tried to let the market come to him. He knows that he does not have to fix this team in one year and he's, it's not going to happen. And so in order to make those dollars stretch as far as they can, he's going to have to remain firm and where he's at. So he's let the market in for the most part come to him. And I think that that's, that's a pretty good sign for a big change at the top for the bears. And so that, that's something to, to really <laughs> stay, you know, really be happy about uh, our show bear and balance always starts in the trenches. And so I want to start talking about specifics uh, with the Larry Ogunjobi saga. So what happened here was that the first signing that Ryan Poles announced was that they, he had signed this three technique uh, late of the, of the Cincinnati Bengals, three years, 40.5 million. So pretty big number there. Uh, 26 million of that was going to be guaranteed. So it was a nice contract uh, for a player who was had for relatively cheap last off season. After the official free agency started, so that was during the legal tampering period or the unofficial start of free agency, whatever you want to talk about it. He shows up at House Hall for his physical. He's, he's coming off a foot injury. He fails the physical, according to the team doctors, when he gets to House Hall. The Bears pull the plug. So he is not a Chicago Bear. That contract was never signed, did not happen. Um, you know, the agreement is pending a physical. He did not pass said physical. And so that contract was, was rescinded and, and does not count. Here, so here's the situation. I want to talk about this. One, what did you think of the contract when it happened? Two, uh, what do you think about if there's any issue at all that Ryan Poles said, okay, we're going to, we're going to back out of this contract because the physical has failed. And three, where do you think this puts Eberflus's defense without the three technique? Robert, do you want to start us off? I do. Uh, so at the time it looked like a pace contract to me. I didn't say that out loud because I thought honestly that that was too, um, I don't know. I don't want to be a hot takesman when it comes to these kinds of things, right? And there are way more people than just me. I'll point to plenty of the Bears media that will whine 
uh, in my place about any move that the Bears make, unfortunately. So being part of the throng that said, giving a guy who was really high in pressures, but pretty bad on a down-to-down rate, like not a great run stuffer, not a good pass rusher when he didn't get home, because there are like intangibles, if you will. There is such thing as losing a pass rush, as in like you gave the quarterback an open rushing lane, you lost contain, you gave up way too much space. Like there are ways to make your line worse or ways better put to not pressure the quarterback but still help as a pass rusher and Joby was a victim of when he wasn't winning he was losing very very often and the money that he was being paid two years guaranteed about a 26 and a half million if memory serves and a 40 million total price tag meant it wasn't if he's good he has to be good for this contract to be worthwhile so i'm super conflicted Because on one hand, a young man who has played his heart out and obviously done a ton for the game, like spent his whole life for this, just lost life-changing money. And I don't really want to celebrate that, so to speak. But the deal wasn't one that excited me in the first place. The best thing about it was that the Bears didn't have to draft a three technique and it felt like an olive branch, not that they needed one, for a gift, a a let's-get-to-work gift from Ryan Poles to... Matt Eberflus, who may very well now look at uh, look for options in the draft for that important three technique spot. The problem was, and I'm curious to hear if you guys feel the same way. I don't know if Ogan Joby was going to be DeForest Buckner ever. And he was paid like he was going to approach that level of play, at least play a similar dominance role. And I think that you could find a better player fit. You know, I talked about it on, on Robert's show earlier in the week. We, we, we kind of jumped on after the first day, and we both talked about it. It seemed like an overpay, but that's free agency. When, when you The first couple of days of free agency, you're going to overpay. They wanted to make sure they had a guy that they that they felt could play that all-important three technique in, in this defense. And as we know, as Bears fans, we saw it back in the day. You know, the three technique is, is the engine that powers the Tampa two-style defense. So they had to get a guy they trusted in that spot. Again, an overpay. He's in his tape is inconsistent, but he flashes. He has the, the first step quickness they want. So Matt Eberflus obviously thought he was a guy. Ryan Poles thought he was the guy. And look, these things happen with the with the contract. You know, this isn't the first time a guy failed the physical and the trade was taken off the board or the contract was taken away. But like like you guys alluded to, some in Chicago media took this stuff personal. Like, how dare Ryan? Like, how dare Ryan Poles had this happen to him? Like, they're trying to make it like a big thing, you know. Thing, you know, they they spoke uh, prior to the contract offer being out there. The Bears obviously thought his rehab was further along than it was. Once they had a chance to look at him and and get him, you know, in the building for a physical, he didn't pass the physical. It happens. It's not a big deal. There is no need to have a press conference. A press release was sent out. As far as I'm concerned, again, it sucks for the player. It sucks for the Bears. It was a bad situation. But they quickly moved on. I guess the timeline was kind of like uh, the day before the press where they had the the, the whole uh, the, the physical because they were, they were on the phone with, with the backup plan quickly. Justin Jones, defensive tackle from the Chargers, he's in. He's the new three technique. Let's play. Yeah, you know, some of the some people in media took seemed to take it personally that he that Brian Poles wasn't going to come out and basically apologize. Some were calling it a a clumsy start out of the gate, and some people were calling it a uh, shows his inexperience and all this kind of. And it was like, what are you? You are thirsty for something here. You are thirsty to try to 
try to develop some sort of story here. This is a non-story. This happens. This happens to everybody. This happens to Bill Belichick. This happens to, uh, you know, John Schneider. This happens to everybody. This is just something that happens in the NFL. It is not something to, to get all, all worried about. And honestly, it's, it's unfortunate just because it's the first thing. And like, and like Robert said, young man, life-changing money and just, you know, circumstances where he wasn't as uh, long in his rehab enough to be able to cash in on that. I hope for him that he finds a good place to play this year and is able to get that big contract in the future. Um, they did pivot to Justin Jones, as you mentioned, uh, a nice, uh, nice run stopping defensive tackle has, has a little explosion out of that three technique, a little bit more known for, for run stopping ability and not necessarily taking down the passer two years, 12 million. So a much more palatable number to those that were a little uh, uh, heartbroken over the 345. Uh, Former third round pick from the Chargers, missed some games over his career with some injuries, uh, but overall, uh, you know, smaller, maybe safer signing um, that doesn't necessarily have that ability or that that potential to to really disappoint fans. This is a guy that can come in and play right away. And I know I could be reaching a little bit, JB, but part of me can't help but wonder if after all the injuries that we've seen the Bears take over the last few years, Ryan Poles, look, the physicals, what I understand, because I reached out to a couple of people, is that teams' physicals, like what is it, what constitutes a pass and what constitutes a fail, is not NFL mandated. That's not to suggest that the Bears change their mind. Do not go down that road because it's not what I'm saying. It's more to say that there are some guys who they'll take a look at a knee and they'll say, okay, it's a it's like a medium high risk, but they're a great player, so we're gonna pass them along. And maybe given that they cut Goldman, they cut Tariq Cohen, maybe they just aren't having it right now and that they want healthy guys, which for somebody like uh what is it, Justin Jones? who has been injured in the past or the obvious interest that we keep hearing about Taron Armistead, that says something about the, what the bears think like their medical staff thinks of those players. We'll see. But at the end of the day, I'm really caught right now. And I'm sure plenty of fans are between cap space doesn't win games. So just because they got out of a potential overpay contract doesn't mean it's somehow a win. The team got worse, right? But Also, they've got more space. And in a season where the Bears are 40 million dead cap, which is typically a killer for any NFL football team, and they need to continue investing on the offense, losing out on a big defensive contract. I don't know. I I end up wondering if down the line we will be looking back saying, if only we had a Larry Ogunjobi, that would have been it. You know, the way I look at, you know, the the signing with, with, with Larry Ogunjobi, like you said, you, you mentioned the contract deals. That was essentially only a two-year deal because after the second year, there is no more more, more guaranteed money. So regardless of, of what they did this offseason at that three-tech spot, that was still going to be a one- or two-year stopgap. You know, they're still going to at some point draft their guy, and it's going to happen probably not this offseason, but probably next offseason. They're going to look for a, a, a young stud at that spot because it's an important part of the defense. So. The Bears are, like I said, they, they got a little worse by losing what is perceived on paper to be a better player. Um, his film looks to be a little better, but again, inconsistent. So with Justin Jones, he has to stay healthy. You know, he's not the same explosive athlete that the Bears signed originally, but I think he's a, a quality upgrade and he will right. help that defense. Well, let's let's flip it over to the offensive line. So there's a lot of talk that we've had on the offensive line. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, angst uh, happening amongst Bears fans for this offensive line to not uh, be filled at this point. But 
let's talk about the first acquisition. So Lucas Patrick signs a two-year, $8 million contract with $4 million guarantee. Basically, that means he's going to be on the roster this year. Uh, it is amazing. This guy looks like a doppelganger of one of my former colleagues and friends. His name's Steve, and like they look like dead ringers for each other. Height, weight, and face and beard, it's all the same. It's kind of crazy. Uh, at good Midwestern roots, I guess. But it's basically top interior offensive line backup money yeah. <laughs> or low level, low level guard starter money. This is not some big contract. This is a contract to give Ryan Poles some flexibility here. And uh, he said that the bears told him that they envisioned a plan for him at center. And so everybody has kind of run with that. Um, I'm not convinced that that story is over. They do not have, their best five that they're going to put on the field yet. It gives polls some flexibility. I could see him playing center. I could see him playing right guard. I could see him being the top backup and backing up both center and guard positions. So I, I don't put a ton of stock into that press conference yet, but what do you think of this signing? Obviously connected to offensive coordinator, Luke Getze. Um, Lester, where, where are you at with uh, Lucas Patrick? You know, this signing makes so much sense. I think he comes in, he'll understand the scheme. He'll know what what what, what Luke gets he wants to do on offense. And he does play the game with it with a nasty d- demeanor. I mean, he's a guy that fits what Ryan Poles envisioned for his, for his offense, especially for his for his own line. Uh, uh, athletic, nasty. This guy fits that. And like you said, the money, it's starter money. So he'll be starting somewhere along that line. But if something happens in the draft, if, if a player she don't uh, comes loose in free agency and, and it's a, a better center, so to speak, I can't see the Bears turning it down. I mean, as Bears fans, we saw this situation uh, play out a few years back. You know, Josh Sitton was cut loose by the Packers. You know, they signed him and immediately moved Cody Whitehead to, to center. You know, things happen with organizations. There is no set in stone, you know, this is your guy, this is your spot, especially with a guy like Patrick, who has shown he can start at guard and at center. You know, he has a lot of starts the last two years. This is a great signing for the Bears. You know, he will help stabilize that line, whether it's at center or guard. I think, you know, center right now makes the most sense. But like you said, who knows what happens? Well, let's say that he, that Ryan Poles does get J.C. Treader, who was let go by the Browns, so that they could make room for some other enormous contract that we're not going to touch on in this in this episode because we're not a Browns <laughs> podcast. Um, but they they let him go. Now he, after all of uh, the top available centers gobbled up, you know, good contracts. J.C. Treader is now on the market. So if Ryan Poles, who now has more money back in his pocket because of the uh, Joby money com- coming back. If he was able to bring in JC Treader, is that something that interests you, Robert? Is that something that you can see bringing in a, a veteran presence like Treader? And I will mention that, you know, we like to make these connections. JC Treader and Luke Getze were both in Green Bay for th- three years. Uh, that's where Treader started his career. So there is a connection there with the offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I was on the big money center train uh, before free agency. And so Treader made tons of sense when he got cut, where it was like, ah, oh, the Bears missed on all the cent. No, they didn't. They, somebody's still on the market. But at the same time, 
as I watch the tape, I mean, Lucas Patrick is, he ended up scoring a 9.3 relative athletic score. That's RAS, which is done by Kentley Platt, who not only has been on a couple of our podcasts, but me and JB got to meet him out at the Senior Bowl, which was really cool. So he's an athletic guy that comes from a UDFA background. And if there's nothing, if there's anything weirder in free agency, or frankly, the NFL in general, than like pedigree and the way that it sticks with a player throughout their entire career, I don't know what it is. There's nothing that tamps down on somebody's market just like bradley bozeman out from uh or out in ravensville and the way that he's been treated throughout or across the league throughout this free agency period when you've got a um when you've got a udfa player a lot of times you can get them for cheaper than maybe they should be and so who's to say that a center which is largely a mental position from what I understand. Obviously, you need physical gifts, but the centers that are really good separate themselves by how they coordinate the line. Who's to say that something that intangible would drive your market up without any proof? I don't know. So the point that I guess I'm working my way around to is I get the impression that, like Lester said at the top of the show, Ryan Poles has submitted an offer for Trevor. He's sub- er, Treader. He's submitted an offer for Ryan Bates. He's submitted an offer for Taryn Armstead. He's submitted an offer for Lyle Collins. And right now, he's just waiting to see how the market bears out. That he's not rushing to get his guy the way that a certain other Ryan PGM uh, that we don't need to talk about anymore. Conviction used to handle everything, right? That it can be frustrating. I'm frustrated a little bit sometimes. I, I keep going back and forth. We all care, right? But I remind myself that I just don't think Ryan Poles is trying to act like any specific player is the fix for an offensive line when honestly, right now, chances are every single player on the offensive line is under evaluation for both performance and position that they could move half these guys to a brand new spot just because they think that they'd do better there. You heard it here first. Robert thinks that Tevin Jenkins is going to be the new center. Um, Just kidding. It's the obvious fit. I'm kidding. So I reached out to one of my frenemies, uh, Matub on, or Matub on, uh, on Twitter. And I asked about, he's the Acme packing company guy. um, And I asked about, uh, Lucas Patrick and I and I said, "Hey, how many snaps did Lucas Patrick take at center? This guy's mostly a guard, right?" And he said, "He's supposed to be a guard, but can play center in a pinch. If he's your starting center, then you don't have a lot of good options. Um, he's a quality swing interior offensive lineman, and that's exactly how the Bears played him." And he says, "And you can quote me on that." So I, I'm not sharing. No. Yeah, I've got quoted him on that. I'm not sharing it out of, out of out of school here. So and then he had very nice things to say about Treader, um, who, who started in Green Bay. So uh, I I just I'm I think it provides polls with a lot of flexibility right. in the remaining moves that he wants to make, whether that be in the draft or bringing somebody else in, because it gives him a, a fungible asset that he can move around. But. I'm not convinced that he's going to be the center on, you know, opening opening day. That's just that's just where I'm at. I won't be, I want I'm not going to believe anything until I actually see, you know, the 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 starting lineup roll out there. Right. Um let's let's just, you know, you mentioned Teron Armstead. You you pronounce it very differently than I do. Um uh pronounce Lyle Collins. Um you haven't mentioned Eric Fisher, but I think we we should certainly mention him since he spent a lot of time um in Kansas City. He spent last year in Indianapolis. So he would know uh, the major parties there. Um, You know, there's, there is a real chance that Ryan Poles does land one of these tackles. Um, What do you guys think? What's your preference on this given, 
injury history, given you know potential contracts of those three guys, where do you think what do you think is possible, and and who are you kind of cheering for here? Lester, I'll start with you. You know, for me, I'd be fine with any of those guys. It all depends on what you want to do, because um, with Fisher, he guys he's he's a left tackle. Collins probably going to be a right tackle. Armistead obviously is a left tackle. So. You know, depending on what you do with those spots, you got to figure out where you're going to do uh, with Tevin Jenkins, uh, Larry Borm to some degree also. But I'd be fine with all three of them. I think all three have have some stuff left in the tank. You know, let's get them into Chicago because the Bears, they're still – they need at least one more quality starter to come in to really help you know, put this line where where they want to be because right now there's still some holes on the, on the O-line. Like with any free agent, all of them have a red flag, right? Taron Arm or Armistead? Uh, did you say it's Taron Armistead? I think it's Taron Armstead. Taron, but, but Armstead. I could be wrong. I'll I, I'm, roll with I'm you. not saying I, you're, you're wrong. wrong. I'm just saying I'm not no. sure. Like I, whenever when someone pronounces something differently than me, I think, wait, am I saying? I just so anyway, well, I just wanted to. Ever, and anybody who's there. played the Bears in the preseason has mentioned the name EA Booneyway, but they probably pronounced it very differently, very uh, especially if they come from pronunciation can be tough. But anyways. Uh, Armstead, obviously, there's the health question. With Collins, you've got the suspension question, not the health question. And with Fisher, you'll get a cheaper player, but there's both injury and performance risk. At the end of the day, right now, the Bears' offensive line is so full of straight-up holes. Like, uh, we could be kinder if we wanted to be, but I think any of these guys is such a massive upgrade over the person currently holding the spot that I would take any of them. And I am one who gets nervous about risk. So big deals, whether it's Joby, whether it's uh, Armstead, like whoever it would be, I get nervous that any player who's over 25 and already has any injury risk is going to just end up hurt, kind of like Khalil Mack did in Chicago because it's a very common story. It's not to say you get the idea. Uh, so, but the value that a tackle like Armstead could bring is so obvious that if that ends up being the signing and it's a ton of money for a really good player, it's something I'll be able to talk myself into at the very least. So I'm ready for the highest and I'm ready for Fisher, the bargain and Collins, the suspension question worries me, but I don't know. I'm not as familiar as a Dallasite should be. I think Collins will probably cost a pretty penny as well. So oh, yeah. I, I think I would take Armstead, even though he has had trouble staying on the field. Um, and I, I, Fisher doesn't excite me as much, but he would be a solid presence. And he has familiarity with both Eberflus and he has familiarity with Ryan Poles. And so that could be a pretty interesting fit. And in, in, certainly if they miss out on Armstead, if Armstead signs somewhere else, I could see the bear shifting focus to him and that being the next thing that we hear about. So, well, let's, let's move on to, let's stay on offense and let's move on to the wide receiver room. And I want to talk about the two signings so far. So Equiminius St. Brown, it was a Luke Getze guy, obviously from Green Bay. He will know what Getze's trying to do. He'll bring in some of that. We were expecting some sort of Green Bay wide receiver to come over. Um, this is the cheaper option. So, so much so that we don't, know the details of the contract, which tells me that it's probably pretty close to the veteran minimum. The other signing here is Byron Pringle, which obviously would be someone that Ryan Poles knows well, comes from the Kansas City uh, system there. He signs a one-year $6 million contract with $4 million guaranteed. So clearly he's going to be um, assured a roster spot here. Uh, I, I got a couple of, of messages, uh, text messages from some friends that are Kansas City fans. They're like, you're going to love Pringle. You're going to love him. And, and my personal story is like years ago, I think he was a rookie or second year guy. I, I, I went to a Chiefs game. I went to two Chiefs games that year. 
and this guy was wearing a Pringle jersey, and I'm like, is that his name? Is that like the guy? Does this guy like pretz, uh, Pringles? Like, what's happening here? I didn't know it was a real player. And then he's like on the field and he's making plays, and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so I got to learn about Byron Pringle like on his breakout day because this guy in front of me was wearing a Pringle jersey. Um, but what do you guys think of these two moves? These are not, uh, you know market setting moves these are not wide receiver ones but what do you guys think of these two players and what role do you see them playing on this roster so it's not that i think pringles is superstar or saint brown but when i'm seeing talk on whether it's windy city gridiron or twitter or just about any Bears social media people talk about the wide receiver room as if it's absolutely atrocious and it is i am not about to sell you that it's not but it's as if they're forgetting that last year's wide receiver room was as awful as it was. I, I think Pringle is a better player than Marquise Goodwin. And I think St. Brown is a better player than Demir Bird. They're different, but while cheap, they're upgrades. If Even if you're moving from like a D to a D plus in some of these categories, because St. Brown is not somebody who's like going to get me super excited, but the bears need whatever support that they can get for Justin Fields right now. And wide receiver help is not coming cheap. Suffice it to say. So a $4 million deal that can become a $6 million deal with incentives for a guy who picked up 500 yards on the chiefs is something that I can certainly get behind. I don't think St. Brown is a name that bears fans need to like, remember, remember, because I don't think he's going to end up being a key piece won't surprise me if they're they're clearly keying up to take a receiver high in the draft the question is whether they're keying up to take two receivers high in the draft and to me that means that you have to pigeonhole a top 50 pick at receiver and address the room from there you know i i see the same comments about how bad this bears receiver room is but but the one thing a lot of fans are forgetting is matt Nagy no longer is calling the plays you know i, I it, it's all projection at this point but the the Luke Ketsy the Luke Getzey offense should be able to get more out of these guys than what we would have seen had it still been Matt Nagy's, you know, fifty curl routes a damn game type of offense he has here. You know, St. Brown is a speedster. He's a four four speed guy. You know, he he's similar to Marcus uh, Valdez Scantling, uh, but he obviously comes at a much much lower price tag. And if you look at his his career in Green Bay, started on a practice squad a little bit. Uh, he he had some time on the main roster in Green Bay, and if Aaron Rodgers does not trust you, he will not throw you the ball very often. And and from what I understand from some guys that I know that cover the Packers, St. Brown had some issues early on. You kind of got I'm not going to say he got in, 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 in Aaron Rodgers' doghouse, but he didn't look to him all the time. So he has legit speed. He's six foot five. He's a big target. I think he'll help the Bears' offense, but. This is not the, the A-Rob replacement. This is a fourth or fifth wide receiver that can play some special teams, and he will be able to do that for you as well. Uh, more like a Josh Bellamy type Bears fans. You know, this right. is not a guy. He's not the guy coming in. Byron Pringle, though, is going to come in. He's going to either be your two or your three. He can work out of the slot. He was fourth in targets for the Chiefs last year. He has some explosiveness. He has some production. He's going to be a player. He'll help out. You're going to get more out of Pringle in the Luke Getz offense than what we saw last year with Marquise Goodwin or, or, or Bird in the naggy shenanigan crap that he pulled out of there all, every week. And it's also worth mentioning that I think free, people forget how often free agent wide receivers fail to make an impact on their team beyond 
a negative one, uh, given the contracts that people sign. When you look around the league, the receivers that are enjoying consistent success with their quarterback are the ones that were drafted, regardless of round, whether that's Tyler Lockett in the seventh, DK Metcalf in the second, or obviously Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson in the first round. It seems as if if you want to find receivers, you don't buy them in free agency, you draft them. And then you re-sign them and keep them on your team. So when I talk about drafting receivers and the state of the wide receiver room, it's not that I think that, I don't know, Christian Watson, George Pickens, as good as they may be, are going to come in and save the Bears receiver room. It's more to say that I don't think handing some three-year deal to Juju Smith-Schuster or a massive contract to Christian Kirk would have made near the impact that the Bears could create with that same money at other positions. Does that uh, like What do you think about that, JB? Yeah, I well I'm you know that I'm on board with you that I would have not gone after high-priced wide receiver free agents and I would want to draft them. I've I've already spoken to my hope that Ryan Poles is going to use at least one if not two of his day two picks on wide receiver and sort of stay out of that market. I a lot of Bears fans were talking about Christian Kirk I had no interest. A too lot of Bears money. fans talking about MVS. I didn't have an interest in that because I thought the market money. was going to be too too much and, and for what he is. And so you have a guy like Byron Pringle who probably was overshadowed by all the great weapons that Kansas City had. Now he gets a chance to maybe have more targets, be, be more productive. But you're asking him to be behind or uh, you know after Darnell Mooney probably in the pecking order. So you know he's probably going to be wide receiver three in this Equiminius St. Brown. I think, first of all, he's a golden domer. So a lot of bears fans already know his name. So that, that they got that going for him, but I think he's providing that training camp value. He's providing that wide receiver room value in any kind of translation in that offense, because he's going to be very familiar with what gets he's bringing. So I, I think that he's providing a lot of value to the room. He's and maybe he's not going to show it on the field as much, but he's going to provide a, um, in the in the room and getting these guys ready. So I'm I'm fine with both signings. I'm I'm very happy with how Poles has has addressed the wide receiver room so far because I didn't see the points of going after some of these guys that are getting wide receiver one money, who are wide receiver twos and in. In Christian Kirk's case, maybe a wide receiver three. Like, I, I just don't get it. You know, Jacksonville just likes to light, you know, trunks of money on fire. And that's great for those guys that get that money. But that's not how I wanted my general manager to act. So um, I, I like what's happening here. Stick with them. Let's see what the other piece looks like. We'll see what the draft brings. Um, you know, we are going to live stream day two of the draft. So, nice. you know, make sure that you guys um, are following that because we are going to talk a lot about wide receivers. I've already got Jacob and Fonte on the hook to spend some time with us. The three of us are going to spend a lot of time as Lester's going to pop in and out. Um, so teasing that now because that is going to happen. We are very excited about that. Um, I'm going to take a quick break here uh, for commercial and we're going to come back. And we're going to talk about some other stuff. All right, guys, we're back. So one of the other signings that maybe went under the radar a little bit, but I wanted to talk about this linebacking core. So uh, one of the guys that's going to pair up with with Roquan Smith here is Nicholas Morrow. So guy coming off an injury, didn't play last year, uh, but was signed uh, to, to the Raiders. Real athletic guy, pretty exciting guy. What do you know about him? What do you think about this Nicholas Morrow signing? I mean, he's from the Raider fans I've talked to, the guys that cover the Raiders that, that I've talked to, they they like him. I mean, he's a good athlete, 
you know, he was a former, I think, a UDFA, you know, again, one of these guys that really worked his way up, you know, and, and made his mark on the team. And, you know, he has several starts. And the nice thing about him is he could start at all three linebacker spots, the Will, the Sam, and the Mike. So, again, another guy that gives the Bears options, not big money, um, but it is enough money where you probably figure he will start somewhere. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, he's a legit a, a legit 4-5 speed guy, an- another a really good athlete, you know, pretty good in coverage. And that's what you want these days. These days you need a, a, a linebacking core that can cover. I mean, it's a passing league. It has been for a while now. So he's a guy that can come in with Roquan, and it gives him another a good athlete to get after things. I can't help but feel like right now they're, they're linebacking. It's like it's not just their depth, but their linebacking situation is a bit of a mess. It's not more oh, yeah. fault. It's more that they had Roquan Smith, and they had just about nobody else for a defensive head coach that likes a very particular type of linebacker that's hard to find outside of the draft. So a signing like Morrow to me makes tons of sense. You've got to get a stopgap in place for, for as much as plenty of people, me included would say that I'd love to see the bears prioritize offense over defense. You can't start Kendall Vildor this year. Like you can't just take whoever, you can't start a UDFA next to Eddie Jackson. You have to have some kind of defender or like defense out there that your coach can then work with. Morrow seems like you're talking about Lester, like a perfectly solid player that can play all sorts of spots. If anything, who knows? Maybe we'll see Roquan not playing the will after all and playing the mic, which is more on the passing strength side of the field where you could get a little bit more value out of him so that he doesn't get taken away by the running back quite as often. But we will see. I mean, it's not as if, from my understanding, Iberflus has come out and made any comment one way or another that solidifies where Roquan's going to play. So a versatile linebacker that can be trusted in the finer points of the game to at least do his job makes tons of sense for the money they paid for him. Yeah, and I think that's how you have to look at it. This is a it's a one year contract. It's a low lower money contract because there's not a lot of risk involved here. But it gives Ryan Poles gives Matty Flus the ability to move this guy around, gives him options. Not only does it give him an option in how he ends up playing him and what it looks on the field, it gives you an option on, on who else you sign or who else you draft, right? If you get if you are able to bring another guy in that you can't really see playing multiple positions, right? You know, this guy is a sandbacker and that's what he is. So we're going to move Morrow over to Mike and we're going to play Roquan at will or, or vice versa, right? That that sort of flexibility is really nice in these low risk signings because again, it's a fungible asset and you can move it around. So I think that's, that's a good thing. It, anybody want to talk about the, the most obvious signing, uh, the defensive end from, from the Colts uh, it, just, you know, the everybody had penciled in is happening. I guess what I'll say is this. So I think a lot of bears fans wanted to see Quinn traded instead of Mac going all the way back to the Mac trade that Quinn being or Quinn being kept on, which I would tell you that I think that with an 18 sack season last year, clear Ben still in his game coming off of injury and obviously tons of production and a surprisingly affordable contract that he's still a pretty good trade asset in and of itself. The signing Al Qadim Muhammad that everybody pegged at the start of the off season, that basically they said, if they're going to get anybody, they're going to get Al Qadim Muhammad gives them a little bit more flexibility at defensive end should they end up with somebody saying, hey, Quinn is the guy who puts us over the edge. We'll give you a second round pick for him. So I I like the signing because it gives them options. You keep using the phrase fungible asset, JB. I love it. You can't just trade both starting defensive ends with nobody 
it behind them, but you can when you've got Travis Gibson, Al Qadim Muhammad, and um, Jeremiah Atach or Atacho, yeah. who's Ata still Ochu. on the roster. Atacho oh, is still on the roster. They they may like him more than we realize. And while it wouldn't be the Mac Quinn one-two punch that the Bears have had for years, I mean. There are a lot of players that they could target in the draft that would help them out more over the next four years than a guy like Quinn probably would. We will see. I I, I know I talked more about Quinn than Muhammad himself. He's a very solid player, both in, in the run and in the passing game. But I can't help but think that this signing has more future impact than we realize. Last year was his first year as a full-time starter. I think he had seven sacks. So, you know, he's he's a good guy to come in. He's He is starter-worthy, obviously. And it, like you said, this gives him options to trade Quinn. You know, I was talking to a, a former NFL scout, and he said that this signing, he believes now means that Quinn is he's either on the block or at least they'll, they'll listen to more offers now. And it does make sense, whether he's traded in the offseason or they wait and see what things shake out, and then they do something at the trade deadline. Yeah. I think you can get him. I mean, if you could trade Quinn for a three or a four, he held even a five at this point. You know, this team is in a, is 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 in a, the mode to reset. Get some draft picks in. You could find a guy in the draft. You could find a guy in the street. They can come in and play some edge for you. You know, and let's talk about last year's UDFA Charles Snowden, who's still on the roster. I mean, he did flash as an edge in college. He had some injury issues. Who knows? Maybe he's a guy that can develop. We see it every year with the, with with the Bears. You know, there's there's that guy they get. The, the first year is kind of like the 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 red shirt year. And then all of a sudden he comes out and he starts making a bit of an impact. So maybe they, they see something in Snowden as well. I'll never but, forget David Bass, the UDFA edge rusher sensation <laughs> that just hung around on the roster for way longer than I think anybody expected him yeah. to. I think one of the things you're talking about there again is it, it, this, this term I use a lot. It's opportunity cost, right? The opportunity cost of keeping Robert Quinn on the roster on a team that's probably not going to compete for anything that significant this year is not only the money that you're paying him, it's any sort of draft capital that you're foregoing that you could get in a trade. And it's the opportunity to see if guys like that can handle more reps that guys like that can play in the league. It's a, it's evaluation time and meaningful reps, right? So Robert Quinn's a really good player. Robert yeah. Quinn is, is, you know, he, He's one of the better defensive ends in the league, particularly when he's healthy. And we saw that last year. He was excellent, right? So there are two times when this is going to potentially happen. One is before the draft or right during the draft. It, it would have to be um, if Ryan Poles can get draft capital right now so that he can help build this team. If you don't see it at that point, there's no sense in trading him until the season until midway through the season, until the trade deadline. And then you, maybe you get that Von Miller-esque kind of deal because a team's going to be willing to afford that. And then that helps for next year's draft. But there's really those, it's not going to happen in June. It's, it, yeah. it's going to happen either, you know, pre-draft, during the draft, or it's going to happen around the trade deadline next year so that you can start building out that draft capital for 2023. So um, let's let's move on to some former Bears. I want to close the book a little bit on, on some guys that got deals. So let's so three former Bears. Um, let's start with, with Allen Robinson. Signs a three-year deal worth $45 million, 30.7 guaranteed with the LA Rams who Rams. had that no. <laughs> who had the who had Robinson signing with the Rams um, at the outset of free agency but um, less money than it was reported that he was getting offered uh, during the negotiations in the Ryan Pace regime 
significantly less. Let's 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 put it that way. Um, contract talks stalled after some back and forth. Um, he played out the year, played out the franchise tag, and you know entered a market. Obviously, signs with a team that's just won the Super Bowl and is obviously looking to run it back. You know, what do you think about this contract? What do you think about the fit with the Rams? What do you think about what happened in the the bad taste in the uh, the mouth with everything that went on in Chicago? You know, for me, I look at the Rams roster and, you know, they'll find use for him because that's what they do. You know, they have uh, OBJ got injured. Uh, this this move now uh, has put Robert Woods potentially on the trade block, who was also injured last year. So, you know, the Rams just the Rams don't care, man. The Rams are going to load up. They're do what it takes because they know they have, they're in a window right now to compete still with, you know, they have the quarterback in place. You know, they have a, a, a Donald, you know, they have some really good, solid veterans and, and they want to win now. So they're going to do whatever it takes. We saw with the Von Miller trade a year ago, you know, they'll do whatever it takes to win. And I think Allen Robinson, his numbers may not be what Bears fans saw in Chicago with, I think, a hundred catch thousand yards. He may not approach those numbers again, but it's a good spot for him. It's good money. He's on a team with a quarterback. He's on a team with a, with a really good head coach. He's going to win. And, uh, as a fan of Allen Robinson's, I'm glad to see him land in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. Good for Allen Robinson. Good for the Rams. And more than likely, I don't want to say good for the Bears. Like it's better that he leaves. But that last season, whether there was more injury concern than we realized coming out of COVID or honestly just an effort problem, things ended so badly that I don't know how any coach would look at that tape and be like, we've got to bring this guy back. And so it's clean break. If there's anything that I'm going to beg the question on, I love Allen Robinson. I was stumping for him hard to get extended in Chicago, but Cooper cup is such an unbelievable weapon that I'm curious to see if diluting cups target share is going to make the Rams offense dramatically better. Cause I love Allen Robinson as a weapon. I do think as he ages, he's losing the vertical threat that used to make him an all tool wide receiver and slowly turning into, I don't want to call him a possession receiver, but I think you guys understand what I mean. So I want to know how McVay is going to use him. McVay is a really good coach, so I'm sure they'll figure it out. And Robinson's a really good player, but it won't surprise me if Robinson never breaks a thousand yards again just because as he moves into his new role i think he's going to go from being a clear-cut top 15 wide receiver one down to a really really good wide receiver two and it made it's just a little due to age scheme fit and how i guess i see it there yeah i i think that with cup being the all-world performer that he is he's going to continue to be the target hog and then with Woods being hurt and then them signing OBJ at like the same time, right? Like they signed OBJ and then the next day in practice or some insane thing like that is when Woods went down. And then, of course, OBJ got hurt in the playoffs. So y- you have this uncertainty with the Rams receiving core and, and Robinson gives you that certainty to be that right. number two to cup. It's a very nice Uh, number two receiver to have just like Robert Woods was a nice number two receiver to have just like OBJ was a nice number two receiver to have, right? They have put their chips on. Let's give our quarterback premium weapons, which would be great to to see Chicago follow suit and do something uh, like that as well. I think that he'll be fine. I don't think that he'll be this amazing wide receiver one or anything like that, but you know, that, that contracts basically got him on the books for two years out of contender. And uh, you know, Alan Robinson, I, 
I had him on, you know, I, I got a chance to interview him. He's a very nice guy. Answered, answered my questions. Um, seems like a technician. I, you know, I really liked watching him play this last year was very painful for me because I, I know how good of a player he is and he clearly wasn't happy and just wasn't on the same page with what was happening. And a lot of guys weren't on the same page with what was happening in Chicago. Um, but it was just hard to see that because you know what his potential is and you know that he could have been an all-time great bear. He could have broken all of the bears receiving records if he wanted them. Um, maybe not touchdowns, but like certainly could have gotten catches and, and yards if he would have stuck around for a while. But, you know, it's not, it's, it's not to be. And, and those old wide receiver records are going to hang around for at least a little while more, a uh, little while longer. Johnny Morris, you know, you are safe. Uh, you know, Walter Payton's uh, reception record. It is safe, right? So let's, let's move on to James Daniels, who didn't seem like he was very happy here either. Um, but he signs with the Steelers three years, 26 million, only eight and a half guaranteed. So not a great market for Daniels here. Um, does land in, I think, a really nice spot, though. Good, good system. I think that he's going to be a good fit there. I know some Steelers fans that are very excited about landing Daniels because there's a big Hawkeyes Steelers overlap. And so um know some some happy people, but Surprised at all that Daniels didn't seem like he was ever going to come back to Chicago. And what do you think of his fit there in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I am a little. I mean, that's again, we talked about Daniels earlier in the week on, on, one, on one of the other shows and a quality guy, very young, a lot of starts in the NFL. Uh, he fits the athletic profile that that they want in, in the brand new scheme. But it just seems like he didn't have the right demeanor. I, th- I know that Ryan Pulse talks about wanting a bunch of like really, you know, dogs. He wants guys that will really get after it, really physical, you know, and play that that type of, of contest that way. Daniels is more mild mannered. I mean, it's just who he is as a guy. Nothing wrong with it. It's just who he is. It's how he comes about it. And like you said, maybe he didn't want to stay in Chicago. Maybe there was an offer on the table because eight point five or whatever it was. That's 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 starting quality money that the Bears probably could have afforded had they wanted to bring him back. You know, but it's at the end of the day, this is not a Ryan Poles draft pick. This is a Ryan Pace draft pick. Ryan Poles wants his guy, so he's rebuilding this the the, the O line and in, in the image he wants to see. And James Daniels didn't fit that. Yeah, Daniels is awesome. I mean, to, I like to him, act yeah. to act like he's not would I, I don't know. I just don't want to be the guy who's like, oh, Daniels, all oh, wrong wrong attitude, never very good. Glad he's off the team. No, I mean, he got a great deal. Uh, if there's anything going on in Pittsburgh that I think is weird, JB, it's that they they seem to be assembling a lot of offensive tools that cataclysmically failed over the last couple of years with Trubisky and Daniels and Anthony Miller. It's, it's a lot of guys that I'm like, what I, what are, What's the method here? But Daniels was uh, a nice like split zone, wide zone guard that could play a lot of different positions. The whole world seems to want to put him in center again, uh, which I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, he was billed as an amazing center prospect, and I don't want to take that away from him. But in 2019, his center tape was so heinous that they just pushed Cody Whitehair back to the spot to try to salvage something in 2019. Overall, Lester, I think you nailed it. It comes down to demeanor. I think Poles wants guys that are just going to beat people up. I think he wants guys that are more Tevin Jenkins and less the mild-mannered James Daniels. And so he'll take a Lucas Patrick, who's got a little bit of nasty to him, over a James Daniels. And, hey, when you're not trying to commit more money than you think players are worth to these different players, I get it. It makes sense to move on from both parties. Yeah, I have a feeling that, if they line up, if Pittsburgh lines up 
Daniels with Trubisky under center that I, my brain might just explode. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's that's the configuration. But I think, I think he's probably going to slot in at guard. But I but I could be wrong. Hope for the best for James Daniels. Um, I was excited to have a Hawkeye on the team. It's not you know is no longer uh, maybe oh maybe uh, there's another Hawkeye in the draft that that could. Maybe get to the Bears at 39. Centers um, do tend to slip a little bit. They so. do. Everybody wants to put him in the first, but he's got short arms. Everybody avoid him. He's got short arms. JB, um, you would bang that table, wouldn't you? If there oh was my. a great receiver and also good old uh, good old Tyler sitting there at 39, where would your heart be? Oh, there's more There's more wide receivers yeah, that you can funny. have a little later. <laughs> Take a center now. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's, let's end it with Bilal Nichols. So he signs a two year, $11 million contract, 9 million guaranteed with the Raiders. Um, not surprised that he did not resign here because, uh, you're, you're changing the, the scheme and, and I'm, uh, you know, not sure that it necessarily fit to bring him back. So good luck to Bilal. Um, nice player, never necessarily became a star that a lot of people were pegging him to be in the first couple of years, but, um, nice get for the Raiders. Uh, good addition to the O-line. I will say Nichols really frustrated me over the last couple of years as a bear Uh, to, to use a, a, I don't know, to kind of boil it down players, especially when they're young have two choices. Are you going to get better at what you're bad at? Or are you going to make what you're good at really good? And Nichols took a quick frame, a surprisingly spry ability to get to the passer and spring up at the, like the start of the snap and just whiz by people where he got most of his production from just being super fast and got way better at, or at his hand technique as his rookie year wore on suddenly came to camp as a sophomore more way more bulked up a lot slower like not super slow but he wasn't bulky enough to two gap he could one gap really well so now he was good against the run in certain situations but him quinn and roquan whenever they lined up on one side of the field would get a run call against them the bears couldn't do that in 2019 and 2020 because they'd give up 15 20 yard gains consistently way more consistently than they should. So I can't help but feel like Daniels got him, or not Daniels, Bilal Nichols got improper guidance somewhere along the lines because I feel like he took what had made him so special in his rookie year and kind of cut or undermined himself in trying to be a well-rounded player. I'm happy for him. He got awesome money. He deserves it. But kind of like how we saw Roy Robertson Harris get signed by Jacksonville for a surprisingly big contract, I'm certainly not unhappy to see him go. And hopefully he returns the fifth-round pick that the Bears spent on him in compensatory selections in the future. I think part of Bilal Nichols is he was moved around the the line too much. You know, he came in as as more of a a five-tech defensive tackle or five tech defensive end, you know, uh, with with the Goldman sitting out a couple of years back, he was now moved back to nose nose tackle. So uh, I thought That's he'd it. get more money. I thought he would get a bunch more money on on the market uh, closer to the Roy, uh, Roy Robertson Harris deal. Um, at that money, I would have liked to see the Bears bring him back, you know, just to kind of be depth on the on the D line. But again, you know, Ryan Poles wants to go in a different direction. You know, he was kind of a, a tweener fit. He wouldn't have actually been a good three tech. He wouldn't have actually been a good nose tackle. More of a guy that kind of you know, spelled both spots. So I think with him going on to the Raiders, you know, they're going to give him, you know, one job. He'll have a chance to learn and grow at that spot. He's still relatively young. And like I said, he's a fifth round pick. So I think the bears got, you know, good production from him, uh, you know, with his draft spot. And then who knows the comp pick situation could play an effect and the bears could get something back in, in that way. 
I completely forgot about that, Lester. Whoever in 2020 decided that with Goldman or with Goldman opting out, Nichols was going to be the nose was just ridiculous. I I'd forgotten about how often he got moved around on the defensive line. He should have just been a defensive end. That would have made a lot more sense for him. Yeah. More Chuck Pagano stuff. All right. So <laughs> that's the that, that's what I had planned for this show. So um, any final thoughts on what you think the Bears should do in free agency, where they're at, or what projects you're working on? Robert, what's what's up with you? I'm waiting to see how things unfold in free agency, certainly watching draft players. A lot of turmoil at my primary job, so hopefully uh, are going to shake free and uh, be able to actually create some cool stuff. But I have to mention that the Bears signed one of my guys again, DeAndre Houston Carson who is a really good dimebacker and a spry second safety. So he's not spry. something that I'm going nice. to he's he's got something great to say about an old person so i don't know look he's he's somebody that i really trust after watching him in coverage space that pre-throw he does a really good job of taking great angles and taking stuff away now where is iberflus going to put him i can't say because that nickel corner position is an extremely different position in a decide type defense to this type defense where you really want somebody who who's more of a do-it-all player than you would normally think out of the nickel but he's a good special teamer he's a great option at second safety he's a coverage guy in a coverage league and i'm excited to see that polls brought him back because he's some whenever we see these super bowl runs we see depth guys have to step up even going all the way back to 2018 where it looked like sherrick mcmanus was suddenly playing the best football of his career and it felt like maybe the stars were aligning and houston carson's one of those guys where seeing him come back seeing jesper horstead come back is like a nice i kind of like those guys you know, I want to circle back to something Robert said earlier about the linebacker spot, you know, being a, a bit of a bit of a mess. And, and that's part of it's going from a three, four, you know, base to a to a four, three base. You know, but Ryan Poles, you know, pre-free agency, he actually signed a couple guys for depth. Noah Dawkins, Joe Thomas. You know, these are guys that have been in the league for a few years each. You know, they're really good athletes, a lot of special teams experience. So these guys, at least they're coming in and they have the, the bottom of the depth chart, you know, some, some guys that they can trust. So I think they are still going to look for a, a for another starter. Uh, I think that guy's not on the roster right now. Now. And then let's really quick talk about Patrick O'Donnell is now a Packer. So the punter. Great hair. Uh, big contract. Uh, average punter. I mean, not not worried about it. Again, no. good looking dude. Great head of hair. I'd give a lot of money for that head of hair. Uh, but, you know, when Ryan Pace leaves with that beautiful head of hair, um, you know, what's the point of keeping Pat O'Donnell? You know, we so lost. He, I'm not worried about it. We lost Jay Cutler's hair. We lost Ryan Poles' <laughs> hair. We lost Pat O'Donnell's hair. We're not we're not doing well at the hair front, but yeah. hopefully we can get some wins. Wins. <laughs> Pat Manley, you know he he had great hair too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I shaved my head, you know, a few months ago. I've 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 embraced the bald, but um, it is. Uh, you know, it still doesn't mean that I don't appreciate when someone has a good head of hair. I'm not worried about Paddle Down. That's 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 fine. Lester, what's going on at the site? Uh, are there any projects that you're working on? Uh, just free agency. I mean, everything is focused on free agency, but we still do have a lot of draft stuff going on. Uh, Raul, our, our newer writer, just had his uh, wide receiver rankings drop today, which is should be interest of Bears fans because they're going to get a guy probably in that second round. So take a look at that. J uh, Jacob has some stuff coming out too for the draft. So even though it's a lot of free agency talk right now, We'll still have that draft covered as well. 
Yep. So reminder, we are going to do a live stream on day two of the draft, not day one of the draft because the bears are not picking on day one. And if they do, then that is going to throw a little bit of a wrench in our day two plan. But on day two, they have currently right now three picks. And so we are going to do that. We're going to be on the whole time. We're going to be talking all things bears, all things draft, all things, a lot, probably a lot of wide receiver talk, right? We'll bring some people in. We'll cycle some people in throughout. I'll be there all night. Robert will be there all night. We'll live stream the recording of our podcasts uh, where we do the quick hits on the draft. We've got a lot of stuff planned. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so hang out with us then. Um, I am going to, um, I talked about the, the fan podcast series that I'm going to uh, start doing some research on here. I'm also thinking about doing a series of exit interviews with the players that are leaving um, because I think it's interesting trying to put an initial historical stamp on where these guys fit in, in bears history. Cause we lost some pretty significant players um, to the history of the Chicago bears this year with this, with this new regime. And, and I think that it's, it's, it'd be an interesting time for an analysis here. So that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm working on. Um, stick with us. We'll keep coming back to you all off season. Thanks for this one until then bear down.